In this episode, neurology resident Lucas Horta interviews Dr. Stephanie Bissonnette, a movement disorder specialist. They talk on the topic of Parkinson's disease and Parkinsonism. This is part two of two. A reminder that the purpose of this podcast is for education and not for direct medical advice. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Dr. Bissonnette. Today we are talking a little bit more about the typical um, Parkinsonian syndromes. Great. Happy to be here. All right. Um, so as we mentioned on the previous episode, um, some features of Parkinson's disease, um, if at the wrong time or in wrong, wrong intensity, could suggest something else. Um, how do you go about dysautonomia on that regard? That's a really wonderful question, and it can be really hard to do. Um, as mentioned before in the last episode, it is pretty common to have Parkinson's disease patients have orthostatic hypotension, but I usually look at the time course of it. So in our MSA patients, we should be seeing orthostasis occurring really in the beginning of the, the first couple of years of diagnosis. Now, I've had many patients who come in looking a lot like Parkinson's disease, um, and within about a year to two years, they suddenly start dropping their blood pressures. And usually when they start to become orthostatic, it happens pretty, uh, pretty quickly and pretty drastically. So they will actually go down. I have one patient who, when she gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, drops down into the 60s systolic um, for her blood pressures. And so I think of really severe orthostasis where people are passing out or their their numbers are, are well below 100 systolic um, as suspicious for MSA. Um, additionally, other autonomic dysfunction, such as constipation, is common in both but things like urinary retention should not be a typical problem in Parkinson's disease, whereas in MSA, urinary retention can be a, a red flag to, to make you think this maybe is MSA over Parkinson's disease. Um, as mentioned when we were talking about imaging, we think that the dysautonomia associated with Parkinson's disease is due to peripheral deposition of of alpha-synuclein and potentially worsened because of peripheral dopamine when we give, uh, peripheral breakdown of dopamine when we give carbidopa levodopa. So they're actually looking at peripheral tests as a way to differentiate your MSA versus your, your Parkinson's disease because things like MSA really should be central dysautonomic um, etiologies. I see, I see. And kind of on a similar note, one of the cardinal um, features of Parkinson's disease, I think it's partial instability, but that's also almost a defining feature of PSP. Uh, would you use the same kind of token, just kind of the progression to differentiate? Absolutely. So definitely the earlier you start to have your postural instability. Um, and again, you're, you're thinking of postural instability that is so severe that patients are falling without to, without recognizing why. Um, their balance is so poor that they really can't get very far without um, needing assistance. Whereas with Parkinson's disease, that should really happen well into their disease course and really be more of an end-stage problem. Um, I find that most Parkinson's disease patients will have postural instability on their first exam where they will have a hard time getting out of a chair and it will take them two to three times, but and or their pull test will be really bad. So that's where we actually stand them against a wall. We pull them backwards and we catch them um, and see whether or not they actually can recover spontaneously or do they need assistance. So those are the kinds of things that without treatment, I would expect a Parkinson's patient to potentially exhibit. Patients with PSP will not respond well, um, again, to the levodopa, and that 
that symptom will not get better, and if anything, will actually progress relatively rapidly. So it, the red flag for me when someone is telling me their history is I'm falling without realizing it. I just end up on the ground. I'm not tripping over things. I'm not shuffling. I'm not freezing. I'm just falling. And then when you take that and you combine it with axial rigidity, so things like stiffness in the neck out of proportion to their arms or their legs, that to me leans me towards PSP over Parkinson's disease. Okay. I see. I see. And just kind of as a last um, differential Lewy body, um, I, I would imagine that a person with Parkinson's disease dementia could have visual hallucinations, but in Lewy body, they would just happen very early and without dementia. Yeah, this is actually a really controversial topic in the movement disorder world. Um, there are your, your typical lumpers and splitters. So there are people who believe that Lewy body dementia really is just a form of Parkinson's disease, that this is a spectrum. And you're just looking at a, a type of Parkinson's disease where the visual hallucinations happen earlier, that the cutoff of one to two years is really pretty arbitrary. Um, and that your, your PD um, with dementia patients on autopsy and on clinical exam will look exactly like your Lewy body dementia patients. It's just a matter of when in their disease course they are. I think that um, many of us believe that patients who have very early visual hallucinations, and, and when I say visual hallucinations, I have to be careful because Parkinson's disease patients will have mild hallucinations and they can happen actually prodromally. So they can get shadows over their shoulder. They can get bunny rabbits in their yard that come and go. They can get what we call fleeting hallucinations. But really when I start to worry is when early in their disease, very complex visual hallucinations. So they're seeing people in their room. They're seeing family members who have been um, deceased for years. They're scared of their hallucinations. They're calling the cops. They're acting out on them. That to me is a sign that we're looking at something that's more than just your idiopathic Parkinson's disease. The dementia seems to come later in both um, disorders, although some Lewy body dementia patients can have pretty profound memory problems at the beginning. And again, more memory um, looking in the in the more typical, like an Alzheimer's type picture. Um, the other thing with Lewy body dementia is your, your fluctuating cognition. So patients who are falling asleep while I'm talking to them, again, within the first couple of years of diagnosis, whose family is telling me that they're having a really hard time staying awake. Um, and it doesn't matter if they get sleep at night, they're still sleepy throughout the day. That can also lean you towards a Lewy body dementia. I think um, the one last question uh, I would like to ask you is, What's the most common mistakes you see general neurologists make when they're trying to diagnose Parkinson's? Yeah, I think that the, there's two things that I think of when I think of common mistakes that I that I come across. One is that they tell the patient, there's absolutely no way this is Parkinson's disease. <laughs> um, and, I, and I have, unfortunately, patients, and, and it's because, you know, their tremor is atypical. So they they look like they have an essential tremor or it's in both hands. And so they're, they're, they say, nope, it can't be Parkinson's disease. Um, or there's no way you have Parkinson's disease because you don't have a tremor. That is probably the number one mistake that I see is that you actually don't have to have tremor to have Parkinson's disease. And if there's anything I would like general neurologists or primary care doctors to know about Parkinson's, that would be it. It's that you don't have to have tremor to have Parkinson's disease. Um, I, I think that 
we in in movement disorders get very comfortable with saying, I think right now you look like you have X, but that doesn't mean that in the next couple of years or as I get to know you, I won't change, you know, I, you won't have signs that will change my diagnosis. I think that probably the worst thing any initial physician evaluating someone with a tremor or with stiffness or with falls can do is say it's absolutely not something um, or say, I know for a fact that it is this. I think that really um, knowing that time helps with the diagnosis is is the best thing you can do and really trying to explain that to patients. And that can be really difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, that's extremely helpful. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome.